Hi, and welcome to Brothers Without Banners. I'm Dan, and I'm here with my brother Michael to help lead him through his first time reading A Song of Ice and Fire. Today we're doing our recap episode on A Game of Thrones. The only spoilers beyond that first book will come from Michael's vague memories of the first three seasons of Game of Thrones, the TV show, which he watched a decade ago. How's it going, Michael? Man, it is going really well. I've been, I've been sick the last week, and yeah. I'm getting better. So I'm like, I still sound gross. But I feel a million times better. I feel like... Perfect time to record Ned... an audio format piece of content. <laughs> yeah, I hope our listeners... It's like... How do you, what's, what's the opposite of ASMR? Just <laughs> aggressively obnoxious in your face audio. <laughs> you know, when I, when I was in college, the band Matt and Kim came and did a concert. And okay. one of my friends who I was at the concert with had never heard their music before. And at one point he looked at me and he goes, Sounds like he's singing through the opposite of an auto-tuner. And I thought that was a great description. Uh, that is, although I love Matt and Kim. They're great. Me too. No, this isn't a knock against them. Uh, <laughs> it was just a really funny way. It was, yeah, all right. Hard to argue with that. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, but sickness aside... Oh, God. It's never aside. <laughs> right, here we go. It begins. Sickness aside. <laughs> sickness aside. Uh, we did it, man. We read yeah. the book. One and down. now I know all the answers and why it's called A Song of Thrones. Why is it called the Song of Thrones, Michael? No, that doesn't sound right to me. Oh, okay, I thought you were making a joke. Fire. God damn it! I really thought you were kidding this time. A song of games. <laughs> yeah, no, this is exciting. We're finally at the end here. Uh, I know it's it's taken us a little while to get through these last few episodes here. We were hoping to do this more scrunched together, but but we're here. We made it through book one. What what did you think, Michael? Did just broad feelings where are you at on this do you hate it i uh first of all i had a lot of fun with it and 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 i think that you know it's fun to be picky and it's fun to be snooty but at the end of the day it's like you either enjoy a book or you don't i enjoyed it i had had fun good i'll take that i i definitely stand by a comment that i made early and i think often which is like hmm less fantasy than i expected going into it than sort of political intrigue uh, well, we only got the is, dragons at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Dragons are, are crucial. And, they are crucial, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious to see how the other books go. <laughs> like like if it stays in this, and I, and I have a sense that it probably will stay as political intrigue much more than like a you know political intrigue with 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 magic rather than than magic with occasional political intrigue. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm not against that. I uh, I'm interested to see. Just not necessarily what you expected. Yeah, it was definitely a surprise. That makes total sense. Do you do you have any broad takeaways in terms of uh, surprises from a content perspective? In terms of what you thought was happening, I know you had some guideposts that certainly ended up being true north, uh, so to speak. But anything that stood out to you there? I think. The biggest sort of takeaway from that, you know, to, to that perspective is, I think the TV show did a really good job. Yeah. Like, 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 I really do think from what I remember from the TV show and what shows up here, I don't remember a lot from the television show, and I didn't watch a lot of the television show. Right. Uh, but with that said, like, it was a really like like the way I felt watching the show and the way I felt reading the book was really really similar. I think that, like, yeah, I don't know. Say the question again. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's all, that's all really great. I'm, I'm totally with you. It's interesting for me, uh, obviously, having talked a lot about the Wheel of Time book series over the course of this podcast, and season two of that TV show is coming out right now. Uh, and honestly, I, I hadn't said this earlier in the podcast because it wasn't true for season one, but I really recommend the show at this point season two they've been doing a really good job with Mm -hmm. it but the reason why i bring this up now is because they've made a lot of pretty dramatic changes from the books in terms of the order that things happen in and where characters are and where they're headed and pretty overwhelmingly i've been a fan of those choices because they've done a really good job capturing the essence of Mm -hmm. the books and expanding in ways that made it richer and made it more interesting 
without kind of going against that theme and that motif and, and just the general style of it. And I think the early seasons of Game of Thrones did that really well too, in particular season one. And then kind of as they got beyond the books in the later seasons, they lost sight of, of what those themes were and what those ideas were. And you can really contrast the things that do it well from the things that do it badly, early season Game of Thrones, late season Game of Thrones. I often think about the, the Zack Snyder movie of Watchmen, which mm. lifted panels from that graphic novel. Like, like he was recreating the visuals and, in my opinion, just entirely whiffed on the actual point of what Alan Moore was writing. <laughs> the, the, the gray areas of superheroes and the nuclear conflict, and he just kind of tossed all that in the trash in uh, exchange for making it look like the original. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot to say for, for early Game of Thrones, really na nailing uh, the feel of the books in particular. That's interesting. And it, it, it's, I mean, again, obviously I'm super ignorant about it, especially looking forward to books I haven't read and seasons of the show I haven't seen. So, right. you know, I'm not sure which way it goes. I am, I do live in a little bit of like a, a YouTube bubble when right. it comes to the shows, where there's just these highlights that show up all the time. It's hard to miss them a lot of the time. Right. And a lot of those highlights seem to have that a bit more of that magical energy in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if that's just the highlights. You know, anything can look like it's present, like 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 ever present if it's just like a highlight chip, like like sort of grip, like uh, taken from from the more larger context. But I don't know. It'd be interesting if maybe that's that's the way the seasons go in the show as they pass where the books are. Yeah. The other thing I'd say about the show in particular is that season one really was very faith faithful to book one uh, in terms of how things were. And, you know, they broke as things went on, kind of jettisoning some stuff, adding in some other things. There was definitely a lot of areas where, as the show realized what they had with certain actors that they really enjoyed putting on stage. I know Peter Dinklage became such a star out of the early seasons. They, uh, not that Tyrion needs assistance in, in this mm -hmm. aspect of things obviously is a big part of the books but they found ways to let him monologue and do his thing more often sure. because that was so successful um and, and so in particular you having watched uh early seasons you just had a lot more of the framework of book one than you're gonna have from this point out uh even aside you know, from the memory issues and, and whatever other holes you may have there i am i am thinking too also about like you know, forgetting the TV show for a second, like leaving that aside because it's not as relevant to us as, as obviously the book is. But right, it's it's interesting to read the book in a post Game of Thrones television series existence. Like mm -hmm. reading the book, part of me, I can't tell, and obviously I'm not I'm not a big participant in the fantasy genre by any means or mm -hmm. political fantasy drama, um, <laughs> but I can't. I had a little bit of trouble stylistically with the number of character perspectives we had as the chapters. Because in we terms have, of what? Too many? Yeah, in terms of, of it, too many, but it, because it, it often made me feel like certain interesting parts of the story were dragging. So John would do something interesting and we'd get left with a cliffhanger and then we just go sit right. with Ned being an idiot for seven chapters in a row. And, uh, and I'm, I'm embellishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, no, no, I get what you mean. And I don't know if that's part of the fantasy oeuvre. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the, the sort of like genre of this and, and that's the way this world goes. Or if this is a way that George R. R. Martin tries to be even-handed with his characters and spreading it around, or if this is a very deliberate cliffhanger, you know, insertion. Yeah. Yes, I am going to leave you. You know, this happened with Danny all the time, right? Something would happen with Danny, and then we just wouldn't hear from her for ages. Yeah. Or Bran, yeah. and then we wouldn't hear from him in ages. And, and the first thing know, I'll say on that, because I think that that's a, a good note for you. The first thing I'll say is that that is a problem that I've had with these books in particular before. Uh, I can especially think in terms of on reread, and I'm wondering how much of an issue this will be for you, but on reread where I know what's coming and I know what's happening, turning a page and seeing a point of view that I don't want to go back to right now is a stopping point for me. It kind of it, mm -hmm. it kind of throws a block in there where I'm like, all right, I don't need to keep reading now. Like that chapter was exciting and now we're back to ugh, this character, whatever, I'll put it down for a few days. And that definitely happens. Uh, and sometimes the cliffhanger can 
keep that momentum going even into a different chapter into a different place and keep you wanting to read more um i do think it's generally something in the fantasy genre at least in my experience there are certainly some series that don't do that uh who just have a single point of view or a third person point of view or whatever it may be but again i'm talking about this a lot i I guess it's appropriate considering (laughs) we got this idea from a podcast about wheel of time but wheel of time has uh, a similar point of view structure uh where he'll stick with somebody for a few chapters at a time and then switch and it's often on a cliffhanger and there are entire books which consist of points of view that are really trying to play catch up to other things that are going on elsewhere and Mm -hmm. it's boring as all hell um yeah he actually i learned afterwards he has a very strict calendar to his system the author there robert jordan to the point where you can actually map the moon cycles that are mentioned as like background oh we were out at night it was a full moon whatever and you can map that and set up a day-by-day calendar for the three years that the series covers which is a fun idea and it's one of those things that i think you come up with and you're like yeah i'm gonna make it so that there's a like we're not gonna have any confusion about how long it took people to get from point a to point b and then when you have chapters upon chapters of well we need to get this character through another four weeks of time even though they don't do anything it becomes really awful uh- <laughs> you know the it, it, it's interesting too because there's it's not lost on me that there are series out there whether it's television shows or even movies or books or or, or i mean uh, for, for almost any any sort of artistic genre i suppose but you know that that are designed to they're designed to have sort of a, a experience of different depths be like with with the audience going through it a second or third or fourth time definitely and i don't like those things like yeah, like I and know. i say that not in an aggressive like why are people doing it kind of way as much as like i don't really it's not your thing. plan yeah. on going through things a few times but with that said there's always exceptions there are movies that i love where it's like Man, you know, watching this the second time is a, a very different experience than the first time because I already know. And the third time is even more different because now there's different perspectives to look at. You know, I wonder with something like Game of Thrones, and obviously we just read the first book. There's many books to go, but, I, you know, I wonder if this is, you know, right. Like the book expects its readers to read through it and enjoy it as a full book the first time. And then read it again the second time and be like, yes, I, I know which characters I'm trying to see now as the, the primary characters. Right. I'll skim this chapter here and go through it. You know, I don't, it's not my bag, right. <laughs> you know, but, but it's interesting to know that like there is that sort of perspective. I, I, you know, same thing. And I'm going into things that I don't know anything about, but like, you know, Lord of the Rings comes to mind too, just in the sense of like Silmarillion, right? Like there's, there's this sort of more expansive right. world. It's not just the this sort of starter set that 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 exists is like its own thing by itself but there's an expectation to for its audience to want to go deeper and understand it from these different perspectives i don't have that urge with game of thrones i'm right no that makes sense i mean we are recording a podcast on it so you're already doing a lot of that there (laughs) uh no i think that's totally fair uh, and I, I definitely get that. As a fun aside, a, a couple of the podcasts I mentioned way back in the first episode, uh, which I've, I've referenced over time since, uh, one of them, the Not A Cast podcast, goes through the way that we're doing it, chapter by chapter. Another one, uh, which is called Girls Gone Canon. Uh, funny, funny <laughs> name. Uh, but they pick a, a character and they go through all of their chapters over the course of however many books they appear in and then move on to the next character character so they'll talk about brand brand one brand two brand three brand four all the way through however long in the series he's around and then start over with Arya and kind of talk through the character's arc and specifically about them and you can get a lot of different things out of that that way uh, as an example of the thing you don't want to do but uh, <laughs> but well, yeah, it is but I, it is clear that that's you know a, a approach that you can have and I'll say I mean and I'm saying this you know because we're having the podcast and it's not something that would be like top of mind if I was just reading the book but like like, what's the stylistic value of the way that it's laid out right now in the books? Like, 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 there are books that exist to have different vantage points and different chapters have different viewpoints, you know, and there's a stylistic... Yeah. The, the style contributes to the story. I don't know if I feel that way with, with Game of Thrones. Is yeah. it necessary for us to change views all the time? Like, would it, would it not just be the same experience to have 
Book of Bran and Book of Sansa and Book of whoever. Right. So I will say, and I, I can't decide if this is more prominent in later books than in the first book or if I just haven't been drawing enough attention to it, but there is a lot of conscious decision making that seems to go into the order of the chapters not just from Mm -hmm. a plot perspective but from a thematic perspective Uh, and so you'll often see situations where you'll have uh, you know one chapter of Sansa having some experience among the nobility followed by another chapter of Arya having some experience among the small folk you know just to Mm -hmm. to have an example that's easy to draw the contrast between but that these things get paired up together with some intentionality and i've tried to set up our approach to draw those out and i will continue to try and do that but that there is often some value and then on a plot level of course you know you have the experience of something like ned's beheading followed by the reaction to as information trickles through different areas to the lannister camp to rob to bran to Danny, although I don't think we right. saw her hear about it, but uh, yeah. you can kind of get that different response to it, which is interesting. And then there's also the perspective of, of the kind of dramatic irony that comes from knowledge we have that they don't, even on a on a more mythical or legendary level, where we hear a story in one chapter and then the next chapter has something that draws it to mind or makes clear why it was included at all uh, that I think can be interesting for us. And it's, oh, why aren't you thinking of it in terms of the tropes we just heard about? Well, you weren't in that conversation, so that makes sense. You know what's interesting as you're saying this, because I hadn't thought about it until this conversation now, but I found as a reader that more than I noticed any of that, (laughs) you know, like like the sort of like how Mm -hmm. one chapter relates to the next perspective's chapter obviously there's a chronology that that is, you, you can't miss right. you know like oh this ha- Ned, ned's head this happened chopped. second you yeah. know right he, he gets chopped off and then and then we find out this and then this but more appealing to me than that or what stood out more to me than that was was how the characters of lore evolved throughout this mm-hmm. so that we would hear about and i have no examples in front of me i really hadn't thought about it until we started talking about it here but but much more interesting to me than you know, the net experience leading to the Sansa experience, leading to the Tyrion experience, leading to the whatever experience, you know, became like, oh man, like the hero who was, you know, spoken about, this 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 historical hero figure mm-hmm. who was talked about in Bran 3 has now evolved in a very unique way as a hero story figure as he's now talked about in Tyrion 6. Absolutely. And it's just it, uh, wonderful to see that sort of different perspectives and a lot you know, as a st- strong, stark contrast, right, no pun intended, is Daenerys's perspective and thoughts around, you know, her family of Targaryens right. and her experience as a family member with them and the evolution of the Rhaegar character uh, from, you know, the the, the rapist yeah. of <laughs> Lyanna to, right. to uh, you know, maybe not so much, maybe, and, and, and what that meant as that story went by. Uh, yeah, I think that that's yeah. a really fun thing that George R. R. Martin likes to play with, and it's one of the things I really love about these books, is we have a bunch of different discrete time periods within these books that are talked about in different manners and kind of through different hazes of history and different uh, levels of, of fog that you can see them through for levels of clarity, but you have the Age of Heroes, the really ancient stuff that is myth and legend, and it's really unclear whether there was any reality to any of it. And then you have, you know, king egon the first and the conquest of the targaryens and that kind of time period and then you have robert's rebellion and that time period from 20 years or 15 years before the books and then you get to see in real time as these stories are created and shaped and turn into narratives and propaganda and the way that all those different things live together and interact and help tell you more about the other how is it that we're our understanding our our camera lens on the present helps inform what we think about those stories from 3,000 years ago and how we should actually read those and what we should think about the nicknames and the people and the tales that are told about them which I find really fun and and very true to real world history as well. You can kind of see that reflect in the stories we tell about our own past as well. Yeah, but I I will say to that, and I, I agree with you, I like all of this, but I feel like the way that it's presented is is 
it's almost like a debt. The book is going into debt with me by, by presenting things in this certain way. Mm-hmm. Here's these different perspectives and evolving perspectives on different historical narratives and this and that. And, and the more that a book goes into debt, and the fact that this is a series, not a single book, but is a series that's now, you know, it, it has greater, I don't know the right financial terms, right? Like debt ability. You know, hey, it's not just one book. We don't have to right. pay our debt by the end of the one book, but there's going to be seven books here, or I think right. it's seven books in the whole thing. But the fact is, is that, like, the it's really easy for a series like this to go into debt and then never, you know, don't worry, the next book will pay off. The next one is not. Lost comes to mind. I was <laughs> yeah. thinking the same exact thing. It's like, man, like, how many questions come up in Lost that are so interesting? And, and, and I mean, more than Lost is J.J. Abrams, who is the producer behind Lost, right. who went on his TED Talk and literally did a TED Talk talking about, like, the magic box, where if you never reveal what's inside the box, then the magic is always there. And it's like, that's not true. As somebody who wants to participate and engage with your narrative, I'm actually going to be very upset if some of yep. these things don't tie together. Absolutely. You will have, you know, gone into debt with me. I have given you this sort of like, you know, this 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 loan of faith about where yeah. this is going. And I really want to see some of this tie together. So I, I like I feel safe uh, saying on this, uh, even without the last two books, that this is a series that has its its mystery box. It knows what's the, what the contents are. And it knows how to draw that out and bring it together, uh, hopefully eventually to a conclusion. But it's clear to me that the questions have answers. And that, to bring us full circle to the start of our conversation, that's the contrast between the book and the show. The showrunners did not know how to do that. And so they ran out of string and they were like, well, just stick with the mystery box. And that's part of why it sucked. That's so funny because actually I was going to say, I remember reading an article, probably season three or four of Game of Thrones, like around that time. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was about how the, I think it was the showrunners, the producers for the show got chosen by George R. R. Martin. Yes. And he gave them a quiz. And he yes. said, listen, who's... Do you remember the question? Who's Jon Snow's mother? Yeah. And they kind of like, like you know, went home and thought about it and came back. And he was like, yeah, okay, good, good. And they, they got it like, right, yeah. Well, listen, it's not hard. It's Leona. I'm not... It's like, obviously. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, no, that's a, that's a good segue right there. That's a good segue because I okay, do want to get okay. into some content here. Uh, okay, step right. away from our literary analysis. Fine. Uh, which, don't get me wrong, I, I think we're nailing. But uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the contents of the characters. Let's start right there where we left it off. This is, this is your big theory. I want to talk about uh, your theories and get into some of the thoughts you have. So we got to the end of book one. We have no reveal here uh, in terms of John's mother. You think that that John's parents are Liana and Rhaegar. Is that right? Is that is that where you're landing here? Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. All right. Uh, what are what's the impact of that? Let's let's go back through this for a little bit. What does this mean for John's story and John's character? Well, there's one there's one big monkey wrench that puts a lot of this into question mark territory, right? Which is that a bastard has no rights. Yeah. So like. You know, part of me... So let's leave that to the side for a second. Let's pretend that's not not a thing. Okay. Well, oh, shit. Targaryens are the ones who deserve the throne. Daenerys is going to make moves to the throne, but it turns out her older brother, John is actually the one rightfully in line. In a very similar... He would similar... actually be her nephew, but yes. Fair. Rhaegar's her big brother, so it would be her. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just, well, right, just but, clarifying but the facts. But yeah. wasn't Rhaegar, like, in line for the throne, though? Like, like yeah. wasn't it going to be... So Rhaegar was the firstborn, so he would right. be the heir. So yeah. his kid, if it's John, and legitimate, would be the heir. I'm just clarifying right. it's Danny's yeah, yeah, nephew. Yeah, but that's that's all I mean, though, is that yeah. like like lineage-wise, yeah. it would go to John if the bastard thing didn't apply. And all of a sudden, that would mean that like like that would that would have this wonderful play of you know this sort of staunch follow the rules Ned Stark mentality fitting right in it would be an incredible reflection of the the stannis and um stannis's younger brother renly yeah stannis and renly sort of thing right like renly saying the throne is mine being a reflection of daenerys and then you know john being the stannis or whatever that might be and and coming Mm -hmm. to terms with that and all this conflict that comes that said you can't ignore the fact that he's a bastard like like you he's not the like even if he is the son of this this you think maybe he, 
he tries to claim it, but it's not really a legitimate claim because of that. So then there's like, maybe there's more gray area there or, or on the flip side, like if, if John wouldn't ever assert rights that he didn't have because he's a bastard, then it wouldn't really matter. Like this would all it be wouldn't academic. Matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll add into that too, that, that while I still stand by the theory right now and I, and, and I'll, I'll come back to like why I stand by it and like why uh-huh. I think that theory in a second, but like, like the fact is is that the situation in the world that they live in in Westeros right now, right, like 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 is it's all upside down. You know, the the seven kingdoms are gonna break apart. They're gonna the, the you know the seven regions are gonna break back into kingdoms. Rob right. is king of the king of the north. Yeah, I uh, I think king of the north, lord of the north, king in the north. King in the King in the North. But uh, but all I mean by it is is that like like everything that I'm saying is based on the idea that there's a a majority, you know, a silent, a quiet majority out there, right. like waiting for the true king to come back. And I don't I don't get that sense at all. So I'm not sure if that's fair. If it matters, like the perspective that I have of like oh John is connected to royalty matters <laughs> at all to anybody. Yeah, uh, that's that's a big uh, big pitfall, big uh, pothole for your your theory yeah. there. Let me. Let me I do want to say. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say too because I was saying I was I would mention it is that you know the, the the theory that I have of John being you know lineage of say Rhaegar and 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 Lyanna is I hope that there's some connection here. There's so much the, the it, in my mind the level of mystery and fog around john's you know parents because it's not like john's bastard period it's no one really knows john's story you know ned would never talk about it never talk about the woman you know did he sleep with somebody else he's so yeah it's it's but that level of mystery is right at the same level in my mind of experience reading it as like what happened to liana what is going on what happened with her and rhaegar it seems like there's a relationship just because they're at the same level of intensity uh, in in the way that I read them, you right. know, that they seem to oh, depict it to me. So that's why I really think there's a strong connection there. Let me uh, let me throw another issue at you, another another wrench in your gears here. Mm-hmm. How is this going to become? Snow is Varys? Ja- no, just <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, <laughs> twist. <laughs> no, <laughs> how is this going to become public knowledge? Uh, Ned is dead. I, well, let's. Ned is dead, right? A fair. I'm asking you. It's a chopper. <laughs> um, the yes, Ned is dead. I think it's okay. on like a pike, right? Like it's hard yeah, to like, argue that it's, it's not. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> so so I mean, Ned's dead, and he's the one we know knew what was going on. Uh, it doesn't seem like anybody else we've seen has any information about this, any knowledge about this. Where are we going to hear anything? Yeah, but the same could be argued about, like, what happened to Liana, right? But, like, like I still think there's there's some source of information out there. But Let no me say it from a different perspective. If the fact that all answers about Jon Snow died with Ned, I'm going to be a little pissed. That's yeah. the debt that I'm going to be upset about. That's fair. The, I expect to find out something interesting about Jon Snow's lineage because if it's just a bastard and his parents had to make up some vibrant story for him to feel better, like, yeah. I don't care about that. That makes Jon a very, a lesser character to me than yeah, he seems reasonable. to be portrayed. That's reasonable. So, so, so that's definitely a big, a big thing for me there. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Uh, moving around, I, I don't want to touch on every character here the way we did at the halfway mark, but I do want to talk about some of the other things that are going on here. We had a, a kind of big close with Rob that we didn't follow up on. Uh, mm-hmm. Where do you think things are, are headed for the the new King in the North with the war with the, the Lannisters? I mean, like you've been saying with the political side of things, this has been such a central thrust of this first book is the political fighting between these two houses. We now have a third king has entered the fray with Renly crowning himself. I guess technically Rob was third, but regardless, we've got mm-hmm. got all these different factions here. What are your thoughts on that? Broad strokes, narrow, little thoughts. What what do you have well, going on there? I'll say it's funny because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about like the from a stylistic point of view about the 
different characters, different chapters, and things dragging in certain areas and all of that. I think there's a lot of value to these, the the, the multifaceted and multifarious sort of different chapters, perspectives, and, and jumping around. At the same time, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to bite into and, 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 and really feel like, oh yeah, I've been following Rob for so long, and I, I really care about the North as a kingdom or anything like that. Right. You know, I, one of the things that Rob was talking about towards the end of his arc of this book was, you know, we were going to King's Landing to save Ned. Ned's dead. <laughs> like, right. like what? there's no point in going down there. We're not here to, like, mess with, you know, uh, Renly's needs or, or, or what's going on with Lannisters at this point. The, the, you know, yeah, but, so, but Michael, the, the best defense is a good offense. You know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get your independence somewhere. They, they have to win the war to be able to be free. I guess... If, yeah, but what I mean is, like, whatever. Like, I just don't know <laughs> okay. or care about enough of the people in the North to have a say. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm not cheering for Rob. Okay. Uh, not to say I'm against well, Rob. Well, we know that. Means. You don't like Starks. I don't like Starks. But, but, but yeah, but, but I do want to be clear. Like, like, Rob has become this sort of, like, you know, weird superhuman of a character from child to you know king very very fast Mm -hmm. he had some real solid successes on the battlefield that i don't know if they were necessarily earned and i mean that literarily not like in the Uh book uh but like like okay great like you know he stepped up into a position that he needed to step into people thought were ready to follow him really really fast he was able to do a really incredible strategic move and all of the people in the north were really quickly able to say we want you to be king right and i'm fine with that but that said okay i don't i don't know where that's going to go is his next move to go back to winterfell and like hold fort and try to expand the north is he i don't i don't really know and i'm i'm curious more than i'm invested you yeah. know, where is he going to go with this? What's going to happen? Maybe the rest of his story becomes about him marrying that, like, nasty dude's fifth granddaughter or whatever. And, you know, <laughs> the, from from yeah the twins. And, 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 and uh, you know, but I, I don't imagine that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I think that's an, an interesting thing to just, like, point out about this book and my experience with it is that the book ended. And of all, all the characters that we went through, there's really only three or four that I'm like, hmm, I'm really curious about this. Everybody else, I'll be interested to see what the books go with, like, where they go. But but character development-wise, I don't feel like I've, I'm married to every character that we went through and, and, and experienced. No, that's definitely fair. So, so who would you say... Uh, are your three or four, I mean, I'm not going to hold you to that number, but sure, the, yeah. the people that you're really interested in the character development from, because I think you're right from a plot perspective. We've got a lot of, of very wide open worlds here. Uh, Rob can move a lot of different directions in the war. John is going north of the wall, which could mean all sorts of different things. Danny is kind of at a reset point with the dragons and, and things like that. Tyrion's headed to King's Landing to rule, whatever that means. Like mm-hmm. So many of our main characters are, like you've been saying this whole time, reset on the chessboard. So who are the people whose arcs you've been most interested in and, and want to see where they're headed next? So I have like a couple layers of answers to that. Uh, you know, on the one hand, I want to be clear that like, like I'm going to go on out on a limb here and assume that as the books move forward there's going to be more characters that we get perspective from so you know Mm -hmm. i don't think that we're only going to see whatever let's say that there's 10 characters that we saw perspectives of from from this book one i don't think we're going to be limited to nine since ned's dead that's actually something we're going to be talking about a little later in this episode so yes but but all i mean is that like like i assume that there will be other characters that we see from with that said so so layer one that i want to like like answer to this is like from the characters that we experienced you know danny ranks up high danny's story is high up for me john's story is high up for me yeah i story is high up for me really curious where these stories are going i'll add to this though that from from characters in particular that i'd like to that I hope I get to get into their heads and see okay, from. Yeah. And this goes like a little bit 
obviously it speaks to my personal interests than like now what, what the books might want. Uh, I would love to get in Lannister's head some more. I'd okay. love to see from Jamie's point of view, from Joffrey's, from Tywin's, from Cersei's. Okay. Because they're just dominating with power and in awkward and, and defeated positions right now. Right. You know, sending Tyrion to go command Joffrey, you know, and, and which is a real slap in the face to Cersei. You know, Tywin getting stomped on by Rob and things like that. I'll, I'll add to this. I'm interested in Sandor Clegane. Okay. He was a real sort of meaty character with an yeah. interesting backstory, and I'd love to see that. I'll add to Varys and actually everybody on the King's Council. Is that or, just because you want to know what they're doing? It is, but it's also because they have motivations and mm-hmm. they have very deliberate intentions that I can't understand right now. Right. And I want to get in there. I want to see their perspectives and what's going on. So I... Uh, I'll add as a final layer, right? So if layer one is like the characters as we already know them, layer yeah. two is the other characters that I'd be interested in. Layer three, it might be the 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 the, the surprise one here, but I think my favorite like actual character arc and, uh-huh. and the one that I'm really kind of excited to keep seeing. Okay, do tell. I gotta say, it's Sansa. Yes, let's uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was I, so sure that's what you were going to say, and I'm so glad I was right. Yeah, man. Uh, she was so one-dimensional to me for so long in that yeah. book. And she went through some nasty adversity, you know, three-quarters of the way through. And I got to say, towards towards the end of her her arc in this book, she became a really interesting character. Seeing her weaponize you know the good lady you know schooling that she had mm-hmm. weaponizes maybe an extreme way to say it but but using it to a strategic advantage for herself and and survival instinct and and i i'm very curious to see how that evolve how how and if she evolves as a as a woman and as a character in the book and and seeing how she continues to learn uh, where she's going that said wouldn't surprise me if chapter one of book two is sansa gets killed you know, she's murdered by Joffrey. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like, honestly, that's so it. Like, yeah. No, that's, uh, that's but totally definitely, fair. definitely interesting. I'm so glad to hear you say that, and not just because it's an I told you so moment, but because <laughs> that is that is exactly what I love about Sansa's character, too. And in particular, that so often in this genre that is dominated by male authors and male readers, uh, you have even your, your female characters are the strong woman types, the... The, the woman warrior, which kind of uh, mm-hmm. Arya seems to have a little of that archetype to her, the tomboy who's breaking out of the stereotypes. And Danny there's a lot of interesting yeah. things to get from that if it's done well. But Sansa, I think it would make no sense, and you can correct me if you disagree on this, if chapter one of Sansa of the next book is Sansa starts learning how to fight with a sword. like, And then yeah. she becomes and, a badass warrior. And so it's just telling a type of story we don't often see here, where she is dealing with her adversity and her trauma with a, an entirely different tool set than we're usually given access to. And I'll add, too, is that like the sort of warrior woman, you know, you know, uh, uh, cliche if you will i think that there's there's a few different versions of that i'd also i I also would be let down if she became another cersei Mm -hmm. if she became this sort of like duplicitous behind the scenes you know sneaky you know politically you know uh, egregious you know character i don't i don't see that for her uh she she is walking uh this sort of delicate line uh that i did not expect to see come out from her character I stand by my George R. R. Martin is not good at writing for like writing women. Mm-hmm. That said, I'm I think he's done a great job with this character. There we go. All right, I'll take that. That's super exciting. Yeah. So so I was gonna actually ask you outright the point of view question, uh, because I do want to share. So you know, coming out of this past book, we're losing presumably one point of view character in Ned, a second one if you count Will from the prologue, mm-hmm. uh, which. You shouldn't. Um, but in the next book, so so I'll tell you right now, the prologue is uh, its own kind of self-contained thing in an entirely different space. We'll talk about that in a moment. But in terms of the book proper, we are getting two new point of view characters. Uh, one of them we have met, one of them we have not. Uh, so I'll just tell you that right now. So I was, I was going to ask you what your predictions were for those, but we know now who you want them to be, and I imagine the predictions and, and who you want them to be will overlap a good amount there. 
Ooh. Uh, yes, I, I am interested in, and, and the characters that I brought up of like whose point of views I'd be interested in seeing mm-hmm. that we haven't seen. There are some other characters that I'd, I'd love to meet. Yeah, so that, that was going to be my next question. So the, yeah. the prologue, kind of similar to the first book, I'm just going to tell you this now since that's what we'll be launching off from uh, when, when we, whenever we start book two. Uh, but the prologue, similar to book one, is its own kind of standalone chapter. Uh, it is away from things that we've seen. It, it's not, you'll understand the context when you see it, but it is not a setting we've been to before, and it's not a group of characters we've met. Uh, so with that in mind, what is it you're hoping to get some insight into there? Some 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 things that have been happening behind the scenes or have been referenced or referred to, but not introduced yet that you're hoping to meet and learn more about in book two? Well, I think that there's, you know, in the way that you're asking the question, it's almost like there's two buckets of answers that I have. On the one hand, there's some high-level stuff that I'd love to get insight on, right? Like John's parents and why that's such a mystery. The, uh, you know, Ned's dream of wherever he was in the South. The Tower of Joy, yeah. Yeah, you know, what the hell was that about? And and more specifically, uh, the King's Guards that were there. Uh, You know, why... Mm -hmm. And, and some of the questions that Ned brought up to them in that in that moment, in that chapter. Why weren't you fighting? You know, what are right. you protecting? And, and things that you and I have already discussed. Um, you know, what happened to Liana? What, what the hell's the blue shit that's, you know, the flower, whatever. The blue roses. The winter yeah. roses, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Rhaegar gave her roses. Okay, we know. <laughs> we already... I'm going to be both excited and let down if I am just absolutely nailed it out of the gate about like yep Rhaegar and Lyanna like John the the son and something something um fair no totally reasonable I will say in pardon me I will say in bucket two though um there are some characters I would love to see more of not necessarily get a perspective chapter from them but but get to spend time with them uh that that woman from the north who's now brands you know little Usha. servant woman osha yeah yeah i she was fun she yeah. was fun and i'd love to and i liked her attitude and i loved her you know experience with the sort of like beyond the wall religious fantasy things that go on there and she was really much more open to some of that fantasy that, I, that i'd love to get into mm-hmm. um stannis would be awesome to get to yeah, know he's just heard been a lot about so him. present and set different than the the sort of like fantasy you know what's going on with john or the liana dreams no stannis is a real character he's hyper present he's part of the political drama that's going on i want to meet this guy uh the tyrells have come up a ton Mm -hmm. very curious about them and what's going on there uh mance raider Mm -hmm. uh has been mentioned a bunch i know john's going north of the wall curious to meet this man curious to see who he is as a leader yeah, I'll he, add uh, he yeah, and Stannis both were introduced so early. I mean, I don't even know if you remember mm-hmm. this because they were just kind of names in a vacuum at that point. But Mance Raider we got uh, from that first Catelyn chapter, which was either mm-hmm. the second or third chapter proper of the book. She's talking to Ned, and he says he may have to go north to deal with Mance Raider. And so that's just such a looming presence there uh, as yeah. well that we do not have enough about. And definitely interested. I'll, uh, the last one that I have too is whoever the fuck it is that we're named after. Banner guy, brother of banners. Uh, <laughs> apparently, I'd love to meet that guy. Like, uh... <laughs> I uh, I really hope to let you down with that. And just what we've gotten so far is just what we get. He's just kind of running around in the background. It's like the flick and flack of characters. <laughs> just like a nobody. Um, yeah, no, but that's yeah, fair. I. But... Uh, uh, just uh, in case you wanted the actual name, that's Lord Beric Dondarrion. And, Dondarrion. Uh, we are the Brothers Without Banners. I feel like we should, you know, get our own name correct somewhere in here. Uh, sure, whatever. <laughs> uh, this is, I'm so curious about this guy. But, but I do want to stress, too, that, that there's, you know, high level. And I think this just speaks to the style of the way the book's written, right? There's I am super curious about some high level questions and 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 sort of cliffhangers that we're left with you know mm-hmm. john and 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 the dreams and, and the, whatever's going on and that said there there's this is a huge world with a million characters in it and i there are some that have been brought up quite often that i'm i'm definitely interested to meet and i feel confident that i will i'll be hard pressed to end book two without meeting stannis 
Uh, but that said, I wouldn't be surprised if I don't. You know, he might just yeah. continue to be a character out in the distance, and, and that's fine, too. I'll be hard-pressed to end the series without meeting Stannis. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. You know, if all of a sudden, like, it's like, you know, and we go from Chapter 8 to Chapter 9, and Chapter 9 refers to, oh, you know what? Since Chapter 8, Stannis has been murdered. <laughs> like, get out of here. Like, it's all uh, just happened off-screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's uh, that's definitely very reasonable. Uh, which I, I guess I really only have one more thing to ask you on this mm-hmm. front uh you said earlier that you were maybe not quite rooting for rob you, you were more curious about where he was headed and certainly a few people fall into a bucket if you if you had to put yourself on one team here michael who do you want to see win the game of thrones come out the other side not necessarily because you want them to be ruler but you know this is this is the character you're really pulling for at this point in time your your protagonist who you got my protagonist you know it's funny because i like the question and i'm gonna like answer it with more difficulty than i think it, you always it, do it asks for yeah that's why it's like god like why say something with one word when you could take a thousand words to get there yeah, exactly. um i think gut gut answer right away daenerys uh okay. she she and i want to be clear about this too she has had the most direct storyline in relationship to the throne there's no bullshit. There's no politics. The fact is, is that she has been been uh, sort of groomed story-wise towards being a queen. Uh-huh. And she seems most qualified and most selfless about it. She's doing this because it's supposed to be hers. It's not for money. It's not to hide some weird relationship she had with her brother and had All a right. weird baby or something. You know, um, that said, I, 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 I will add that... I feel like there's bias in the writing, right? Like, there seems to be good guys and bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Starks are clean and, and right. honorable and Lannisters are evil and, you know, slimy or whatever. The fact is, is that, like, from the interesting character point of view, Daenerys ranks high from the sort of direct to the throne, has a real reason to be there, has a real honorable fight. Lannisters are high up on my like characters that are interesting. Yeah, uh, you might really not be wanting them to... to win, but you like you like spending time with them more than with yeah. the Starks. I and do. I agree and with it, you there. I agree with it you. It would there. be just hard. They're much more interesting to read than Ned was, and then Rob, and then Catelyn. I don't think uh, I've mentioned this before, but I'll tell you my personal favorite character in the books yeah. is Jamie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you'll have to I, keep an I, eye out for that in terms of, and, of where that goes. Yeah, because we didn't have any Jamie chapters, right? Like Jamie never showed up as a as a yeah. I I don't mean necessarily point of view. I just mean character. Mm. I think he's really interesting, and so whether we see that from inside his head or not, and whether you know there's more to him than what we've seen so far or not, but I do really right. love the kind of the the bastardized fallen prince charming that he's he kind of is. You know, he's the blonde haired, blue eyed, pretty successful knight who is this arrogant, evil piece of shit is, uh, is a lot of fun for me. And it, it goes interesting places. I'll be interested to, to see where that goes. But, but yeah, in terms of who I'm rooting for, like, like, cause, cause the other perspective that I can tell you is like, I can tell you who I think George R. R. Martin wants me to root for, you know, John is hyper honorable mm-hmm. Starks in general, hyper honorable Rob there. Right. Like, you know, the the sort of feeling like George R. R. Martin wants me to think and hope that Tyrion becomes you know, saved from his evil family somehow. Right. Uh, that, you know, and Daenerys also, I'll, I'll toss into that bucket too, is like clearly a heroic style character. She, you know, she's not a, if you think about like WWE terms, right? She's right. not a heel. She's, she's, she's a face. A hero. Yep. She's a face. And, but, but I will say on a, on a personal level, Daenerys is high up there, but, but really I, neck I like and that. neck with Lannisters. Uh, I, I'm dying to see more of Cersei. I think that she's just so interestingly vile and violent. Yeah. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to watch this world burn. I'd love to see Game of Thrones turn into like Lannisters, you know, Lannisters equal global, you know, warming. Yeah. Uh, you can't avoid it, and it's amazing to watch, and you want yeah. to indulge in it. You're like, of course I'm getting the Hummer. <laughs> it's got air I like that. I like that a lot. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go outside and spray those cans into the air. Exactly. With no purpose. Uh, what was it called? I don't even Aerosol remember anymore. Cans. Aerosol cans, yeah. Uh, no, I love all of that. So, so turning to the next book briefly uh, at the wrap-up here, the next one's called The Clash of Kings. Uh, you probably already have some insight into where that name's coming from. We've got three kings at the moment, uh, and, and so that's you know not the way you draw it up uh, if you're a country. 
<laughs> uh, in terms of next steps, I, I do want to mention here, because you've talked a lot about this being a full series from the perspective of the debt that it's accruing to you, and I think that that's true. There are a lot of things set up in the first book that take until the second book, the third book, the fifth book it hasn't happened mm -hmm. yet to pay off, whatever it may be. At the same time, and this is something that is common to the fantasy genre, and that's part of why I'm talking about it, each book is its own book and has to be written with the pacing of a single book in mind. And so we are going back to square one here. Uh, we are going back to the start of a novel, as opposed to just continuing to ratchet up the pressure from here on and, you know, a steady increase to the climax. Uh, they all kind of have the story arc too. So I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, if the opening to book two is not as exciting as the close to book one, that's a helpful explanation why. Uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, fair enough. Okay, <laughs> like uh, charm me, book two, charm me. Yeah, yeah. There, are, I mean, we'll we'll talk about this when we get there. There is one specific character arc. Uh, one specific character at the start of book two that really should have taken several chapters and had it be half a chapter. <laughs> and it's like, let's let's move this along here. But we'll uh, we'll combine that with other ones and try and make it go a little quicker. Fair enough. Uh, but that's that's all I got. Do you have any parting thoughts for us here on book one? I think that i just want to reaffirm a lot of what i already said very interested in that sort of high level fantasy that's been touched on a little bit the dreams the heritage the this and that super interested in a lot of these characters excited to meet more characters uh excited to see some connections get made you know so i know book two is only book two of many many books so i don't right. expect everything to come together but that said uh excited to, to keep living in this world yeah so we've talked a little bit just in terms of planning here. Uh, I know that for our listeners' sake, we've had some space here in between episodes, but we are going to take a, a, a substantial break before starting book two. This has been a, a labor of love that we've really enjoyed, but take some work. Uh, and we're gonna, we've got a busy couple of months coming up here, so we're going to take some time off. But keep your eyes open for when we return with the prologue to book two. Woo! Book two! Game of and Thrones! And Michael, I'll Woo! talk to you then. All right, Dan. Have a good one. That's all for this episode. Next time, we'll be launching into book two, A Clash of Kings. We'll be taking a little time off before then, but keep your eyes open for whenever that next episode appears in your feeds. If you enjoy our episodes, please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast and leaving us a review as it helps other people find us. Thanks, as always, for listening.